Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You would turn in with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, I, I just, I, I guess I may go ahead and deal with the elephant in the room as we start. See, just this week, Jesus, uh, the passage we're looking at, Jesus is dealing with the question of divorce. And this is a hard topic. This is not an easy topic for me as a preacher to address. And I know that I need to be sensitive because it touches every one of us. Some have been through it. Some have had parents go through it. Some have had siblings go through it. Um, It has touched all of us. It has either touched us personally or it has touched someone we love. And so I want to, to treat this with some sensitivity that it is a painful, painful topic. Jesus understands that it is painful. And I, I think that that is actually reflected in what we see in the text today. Uh, so we will be looking at a text where Jesus addresses marriage, he addresses divorce, and he also addresses singleness in this text. So let's go ahead and read our text beginning in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 19. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him. He healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him, and he tested them, or they tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they shall no longer be two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, is it better, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have, been, who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Let's pray. Father, we... We thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
And we know that your word is good in whatever it says. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Soften our hearts that we might embrace what you say to us in your word. We love you. I ask that you give me strength and grace as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The text begins... Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away uh, from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him as he healed them there. Now, this is basically a transition. It's saying there's, there's a kind of a, a, a disconnect here. We had several stories that were all coming together in chapter 18. We had the child that was brought before Jesus, and, and Jesus told us that uh, we have to become like children to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about the lost sheep, and he told us about uh, how, how as a church we should go after those who are straying, and he also told us that we ought to forgive one another. All of those things were in the same setting, but here we have a setting change. So there we have a kind of a disconnect. We're moving on to a new topic here. But in this transition, we see Jesus doing what Jesus does. As he's going, people are coming to him and he's healing them. The miracles that Jesus does, and he still does. Jesus heals. He has answered our prayers many times, even since we've been meeting here at Redeemer for the last six years. He has answered our prayers. Some have been healed that we've prayed for. But the greatest healing, the greatest healing, the greatest miracle that Jesus does is when He changes a life. And I want to, I want to kind of start there. I want to start there before we get into the difficulty of dealing with divorce and marriage and singleness. What is the gospel that we believe? We believe that we are broken sinners. The Bible tells us that from Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, humanity sinned, that we have all inherited sin from our, uh, from our ancestry, from Adam and Eve, and that we are broken we, we have sin, we have disease, we have sickness, and all of the brokenness in this world all comes from sin. And that's why there is divorce. It's because we live in a broken world that is not the way it's supposed to be. But you know what? Jesus came into this world to rescue us from that brokenness. Jesus came into this world to save us from our sin and guilt. He came, promised long ago from Genesis chapter 3, when he when it was promised that there would one day be a, a descendant of Eve who would come and crush the serpent's head. He finally came as Jesus. He finally came. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. He died upon a cross so that He would take upon our sin upon Himself. He was our substitute. We are all sinners. We are all guilty. And Jesus took our sin on Himself for all who believe. 
If we trust in Him, our sins are taken away and thrown into the deepest ocean, farther from the east is from the west. And this text reminds us of the brokenness. Reminds us of what this sin has brought into the world. But oh, glorious Jesus. Jesus came into the world to heal what was broken. Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins. Let's look at what Jesus, what happens next. The Pharisees then come up to Jesus to test him. They weren't genuine in their question. They wanted to try to trip him up, to try to trap him into saying something that would offend the masses. That's what they were after. They didn't really want an answer. They just wanted to try to trick Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? This this goes back to a debate that the Jews were having in their own day. The rabbis taught different things. Um, That you had the Essenes, the ones that went out into the desert and lived kind of monastic lives and everything. They did not permit any divorce for any reason at all. They were very, very strict. They felt that uh, there was no cause for divorce at all. And then you had the, the mainstream forms of Judaism. You had those who followed the rabbi uh, Hillel, and you had those who followed the rabbi Shammai. Shammai was strict, and he was very similar to what Jesus says here. Shammai said that the, that the exception here was, um, was adultery, was sexual sin. Yet, even Shammai, whenever uh, someone would divorce, he would allow... Uh, Remarriage for even regardless of whatever reason that they got divorced for. Then you had Hillel. Hillel, he was more the open-minded guy. Okay, he was more liberal, if you say. And Hillel allowed divorce for pretty much any reason. Hillel allowed divorce uh, if if a woman. Uh, was a poor cook. <laughs> if if her if she burned her husband's toast. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, I mean that that was what the rabbi actually taught. Uh, even Hillel even would have suggested that he, a man could divorce his wife if he saw a younger, prettier woman. I mean uh, that was Hillel's view. So uh, we we come to that text that that uh, Ron read this morning from Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy was saying if, if a man has something that he sees that's indecent in his wife, he is to give her a certificate of divorce. Now, what is that indecency? That, that's the question. It's ambiguous. We don't know what that is. And so you have the rabbis dealing with what is it that he's talking about? Shammai, the more conservative you, said no, only sexual sin. You had Hillel saying uh, pretty much any reason. You could just get a divorce. So they come to Jesus and they want to know what Jesus says. Jesus is not going to get sucked into their trap. He answers, Have you not read, He who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And that's his answer. At this point, Jesus does not give any exception. At this point, he just points to the design. This message is not just about divorce, but it's also about marriage. Because here, Jesus points to what God's original design was. He says, didn't you ever read what it says in Genesis 1 and 2? Genesis 1 and 2 tells us that God's design for marriage is one man and one woman united for a lifetime. What God has put together, let no one separate. That was God's original design for marriage. It pictures the unity between Christ and His church. And when a man and woman are joined, we can even see this in its physical manifestation because as as marriage is intended to produce children. And you see the, the two coming together and in the physical act they become one, but also the produce that comes from that in children, also you have two becoming one. And Jesus here points to what God said from Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and says, what God put together, let no man separate. His answer is, God's design, His perfect design, was that there would be no divorce. That man and woman would come together, be married, and they would stay married. Period. That it would never be separated. That was his design. That's hard. We see here in this text also a few other things. He says, Jesus says, these are the words of Jesus. I'm not just coming up with this on my own. The same one who died on the cross for our sins says this to us. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Let's pause there for a moment. That is countercultural today in a way that we wouldn't have dreamed of five years ago or ten years ago. The Bible, Jesus said, that God made human beings male and female. And yet our culture comes at us saying, no, what they say is there's just a spectrum of genders. And you can be anywhere along that spectrum. That is what our culture comes to us with. And a faithful Christian has to come back to, to look at God's Word. We don't get our teaching on what gender is and on what marriage is from the world. We don't take our cues from psychology. We take our cues from the Bible. God's Word. What He has spoken. He then says, 
Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, which is the same word for woman in those ancient languages. Cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That is not the picture we get from our culture. Our culture says it doesn't matter. Anybody, any two people who are in love. But Jesus says that a man shall leave his, his father and mother and cleave to his wife, his woman. That is what marriage is. That is what God's design was from the beginning. So when we look at this text, we see something that flies in the face of the culture around us. We have a choice. We can believe the Bible or we can be swept away by our culture. We have no choice otherwise. And remember, I do want to say this as well. I didn't just pick this text for this Sunday. I've been going through since Matthew chapter 1 all the way up to now. Going verse by verse by verse by verse. I didn't just pick this because it was something I wanted to talk about. I'm preaching on this because it's there in the Bible. And I don't have any choice. The next thing. So Moses, in the text that Ron read, he says that if there's some indecency that a man should give his wife a certificate of divorce... What is that all about? Well, I think in Moses' context, that was a protection for the woman. That was a protection. It was to say, this woman had not done anything deserving of death. The the Old Testament law actually said that adultery, the punishment was death. The punishment for adultery was death. And so what Moses was saying, it couldn't have been just adultery, but it was probably any kind of sexual sin. And what Moses was saying is if a a man divorces his wife for whatever reason, then he is to give her this certificate of divorce, saying she's free and she can marry someone else. In that day, she had to have a husband to be able to take care of her needs. Uh, uh, if, she was, if she was just sent away without a certificate of divorce, she was, she was destitute without anyone to take care of her. And the certificate was protection for her. This was a pro-woman law for her protection. Um. But the Pharisees then asked, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of a divorce and to send her away? First thing we need to notice here is that the Pharisees are not really accurately representing what's there in Deuteronomy. The Pharisees are saying that Moses commanded 
to give her a certificate of divorce. But if you read the text, it's more like a permission. More like a permission. And we never really get in the Old Testament law any clear um, regulations for marriage and divorce. We just have some limitations. Some limitations. I think what we see in the Old Testament law is there is a, an assumption that because sin has entered the world, because the relationships are broken and, and because you have sexual sin and you have abuse and you have all of, of, of the other manner of things that come into a relationship that are not the way it's supposed to be, divorce is already happening there in Moses' culture. And what God does is he gives limits. If this is already happening, because, Jesus says, of the hardness of their hearts, because of sin entering the world, then he gives limits. And he's saying in that text, and this seems kind of weird to us, a woman can't divorce her husband, though to go marry another man and then get divorced from him and come back to her first husband. Seems kind of strange to us we would often kind of think of a, of a situation like that and think, well, isn't it great that they're being reconciled after... But, but that, that hits us kind of strange. I think what Moses is doing and what God gave in Deuteronomy is he does not allow for temporary divorces so that it would be kind of a loophole so that someone could kind of technically get a divorce, go have adultery, and then come back to their first husband. Uh, It's closing a loophole saying, uh, since there's divorce already, you can't do this. So that you can just kind of be promiscuous around and then call it a divorce and then come back. If it's final, it's final. It's, I I think, what uh, Moses was saying in Deuteronomy. But then what does Jesus say? Why then did Moses command to give one a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So Jesus says what I've already been saying. Because of the hardness of people's hearts. Because of the hardness of people. Because sin entered the world. In Genesis chapter 3. What are the consequences of sin entering the world? We have uh, in, the ver- in, the, in the curse that was put upon the serpent. And what was proclaimed to Eve and to Adam there in Genesis three fifteen through about 17 or 18 or so. It says that... Um, um, there would be enmity between, well, not enmity, I'm sorry, there would be a distortion of the relationship between man and woman. That, his, that the man would rule over her and that her desire would be for her husband. And there was a, a distortion of what that relationship was supposed to be. We have men who are abusive. We have women who uh, try, try to um, play other roles in the family than what God designed. All of those things are a part of the fall. 
Because God designed marriage to be a picture of the love between Christ and His church from the very beginning. And that fall distorted God's design. So Jesus says, because of the hardness of your hearts, because sin entered the world, because we live in such a broken world, it's permitted. It's permitted. But then Jesus follows this up. And he clarifies what he allows, what he permits. Now, I'm just dealing with what Jesus says here. Paul also addresses the same issue in in one of his letters. But what Jesus says right here, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So, it seems that Jesus is giving permission for one thing, and that is sexual immorality. The word there is different from the word for adultery. He uses the word for adultery at the end of the sentence. But here, the word used for sexual immorality is porneia. And porneia is a general term that that describes all different kinds of sexual sin. Um, So, what Jesus is saying, except for the case of sexual immorality, generally, that could be any number of things. It could be adultery. It could be... I'll leave it to your imagination, especially since we have kids present. Jesus says that for sexual immorality, a a divorce is permitted. Now, what else may be permitted? Jesus gives just this one single exception. Paul later expounds on that and lets us know of another. He says that if if a, a Christian has their spouse leave them, they're allowed to to let them go. They're allowed to let them go. So in the case of abandonment, if if a person's spouse leaves them behind, abandons them, they are allowed to let them go. And I think if it's permitted, then it's also permitted to remarry. So in the case of abandonment. And also, I want to bring this up because it's, it's so important in our culture today. Abuse. Abuse. So many have been mistreated in the past. Many have been told by their pastors, in spite of the fact that they may be living in a hell of a life, where they may be beaten by uh, their husband or significant other, and they're told you have to stay together because... We don't have any permission for divorce for that. I would say that abuse of that kind is equivalent to abandonment. It's equivalent to abandonment. Someone who who abuses their spouse like that has broken the marital vows already. They have treated them in a way that that has completely severed that marital vow already. These are some sober words. 
Verse 10. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, is it, it is better not to marry. We can understand what the disciples were thinking, can't we? This is a hard for us case. And they're thinking it's hard. It would be better just not to marry at all than to, than, than to have to be held to that kind of standard. What does Jesus say? He says, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been themselves who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Now, a eunuch we we know um, for kids who may not know what that is, ask your parents later. <laughs> but a eunuch, um, we have some who are born with an incapability of reproducing. And we have some, Jesus points out, that are made eunuchs by men. So maybe someone is taken as a slave and they are made into a eunuch so that they can be trusted around maybe a king's harem or something to take care of them. You have that kind of a case. But Jesus then says there are some who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is not there talking about physically making someone's self a eunuch. He's saying there are some who basically vow that they will not marry, who will stay celibate, who will stay unmarried for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. But not all can do that. He says, not everyone can accept this teaching. With this said, Jesus recognizes that there are some who have the gift of singleness. Sometimes in our churches, we may have the expectation that everybody comes, that everybody that comes is married. And so single people can sometimes feel left out. Jesus here recognizes that some may feel called to a life of singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Paul talks about himself as a single man because that allowed him to be able to give everything he had to the kingdom. And I think there are some that may be called to that in the church. Not required, but given that gift to be able to stay single so that they can keep themselves only for the work of God. And that's a gift, not a curse. Some of us may feel like that would be a curse. If you feel like it's a curse, then it's probably that you don't have that gift. <laughs> this text deals with marriage, singleness, and divorce. And I'm just going to sum everything up here. God's design. One man, one woman, together for a lifetime until death do we part. God's design has been shattered by sin. Sin has entered into the world and we deal with sickness, disease, pain, abuse, all kinds of things that has 
marred what God's original design was. And God hates it. And if you've been through it, you probably hate it too. It's painful. But God is compassionate. He does give permission. Permission to remarry. Permission in those cases that are so broken. Like the ones that he gave. And singles, you're recognized as well. You have gifts that can be used for the kingdom of God to serve Jesus. Now finally, I want to tie it back up where I started. Divorce is an evidence of the brokenness in the world that we live in. We live in a world with sickness, sorrows, disease, sin, and we long for a home where none of that will be. We long for the day when Jesus will return and he will wipe away every tear from every eye, where there will no longer be any brokenness, where we will be able to stand before him spotless and blameless and worship him with no shame. We long for that day. And one of these days, He's coming again. And if you trust in Jesus, if you've trusted in Him, all of our sins have been washed away. They are all under the cross. They have been thrown into the deepest sea. And He accepts us as His children. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.